Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. It's August 4th. It's Wednesday, and that means... It's time for Warriometer Wednesday. I'm Chris Towers, joined by Scott White. We're going to talk about some players we're, you know, potentially worried about. At least find out if Scott's worried about it. That's all really anyone wants to know. Uh, we're going to look at some trade targets with, uh, you know, fantasy trade deadlines coming up. I'm going to ask Scott where we're at on some, uh, you know, kind of up and down players. And Tuesday's, or yeah, Tuesday's biggest performances, including, well, why don't we just kick it off with... Uh, Scott, can you can you do me the honors of your your best Susan Waldman impersonation? I think you're at this time. I've done enough. Oh my goodness, goodness gracious! Uh, my oh my goodness gracious player, uh, Scott. You want to go first? Well, who gets Joe Adele? I'll take Joe take Adele. Joe. He's been my Joe guy. Adele. That's fine. Joe Adele batted sixth in his season debut for the Los Angeles Angels. Was called up as expected. Had a really good game. Went three for four with three RBI. Had a walk. Had a stolen base. Two doubles, I believe. One single. Only one batted ball hit over 81.2 miles per hour. But that's a that's a heck of a way to start your season for Joe Adele. And it's very promising after you know his his notable struggles last season. Obviously, it doesn't do much to change Joe Adele's outlook, but. Given that he was really hot at AAA, has been hitting well the whole season, it's certainly yep. better than uh, most of the debuts we've seen so far this season from highly touted young players. I guess Adele's not technically a rookie anymore. I mean, Wander Franco's debut yeah, was great. That was pretty good. Um, Jared Kelnick's second game <clears throat> was great. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean much on its own, but, you know, it, it was nice to see for sure. Yeah. And... For all the time Joe Adele was up last year, uh, let me check the game log. Okay, you can't really say it was his best game as a major leaguer so far because he did have a two-homer game last year, last August. Uh, But it's his first three-hit game. Still pretty good. Yeah, definitely one of the best games of his career. I'll go so far as to say the second best game of his career. Yeah, obviously going against the Rangers. Going against the Rangers, Jordan Lyles, not exactly the toughest level of competition, but... Um, a very good debut for a guy who, frankly, looked completely overmatched last season. Uh, had that strikeout rate below twenty five percent, I believe. In what was his last twenty five games, Scott? I think was the number you were citing. That's yep. all he has to do. If he can be a twenty five, twenty six percent strikeout rate with rate guy with the power that he has, uh, and with the you know potential speed at least he. He does kind of remind me of Byron Buxton a little bit when it comes to the stolen bases and that, 
he was a really efficient base stealer in the minors, but he never had, you know, huge stolen base numbers. I wonder if, you know, he might be someone who could steal more bases than he actually will, but, you know, still projects over a full season if everything goes right to be maybe a 25 homer, 15 stolen base guy. So, you know, that's the kind of player we're talking about here with Joe Adele. Obviously, you know, even before his uh, his season debut, he should have been added in most five outfielder leagues. And that remains true, I would imagine. Yeah, it remains true. And, and look, I'm not saying you shouldn't add him in a three outfielder league. Obviously, it's the, who you're cutting to pick him up, I presume, is that's going to be much more painful. Yes. Uh, but they're, they're, it's never wrong to take a chance on upside. And I mean, Joe Adele has... You know, I, I, I think if you're if you're talking ceiling, 25 homers, 15 s- steals is probably selling him short. That's right, right. I mean, like in the in the near term, you know, not like ultimate yeah. ceiling. This is a guy who's been, you know, probably one of the three best prospects in baseball going back to 2019. Right. Scott, what about your oh my goodness gracious player? You got someone for us? Well, I'm going to go with somebody who also made his 2021 debut and in fact his major league debut. Ooh. And that is Yankees starting pitcher Luis Heel. Heel. G-I-L. Looks like yes. Gil, but it's it's Heel. Uh, and he shut down the Orioles over six innings in his major league debut. Walked one. That struck out six. Mighty Orioles lineup. Well, you see what they did to... I mean, look. Uh, who was it just the day before? Oh, Andrew Heaney. It doesn't, matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're facing. If, you're, if your first major league start looks like this, it's a good one. Yeah, no, it's great, and, and and like the stuff is the stuff is definitely measures up. He he hit ninety eight point five on his fastball. It's a high spin fastball over yes. twenty four hundred RPM. It would be one of the you know if, if he sustains that, it'll be one of the highest spin fastballs in the majors. So definitely good stuff. He has a slider. He has a changeup. So well rounded arsenal here. Uh, twenty three years old. So it's not like. You know, it's not like they pushed him to to get him up here uh, at at a crazy young age. Inconsistent minor league numbers. In fact, his last two starts at AAA, the the very last one, he gave up six earned runs in an inning and a third and walked four. The one before that, six no-hit innings with nine strikeouts. So, like, very up and down (laughs) season. Uh, But clearly the stuff is good at... Uh, the biggest hesitation for me in terms of whether I would take a flyer on Luis Hill is how long is he going to stay in the rotation? Yeah. He, he's getting this chance because Garrett Cole's on the COVID IL. Jordan Montgomery as uh, well. Jordan Montgomery's on the COVID IL. Yes. Uh, Domingo Herman just went down with a shoulder injury. I don't think we really know the severity of that one. Uh, but even so, Luis Severino made a rehab start just today. Yep. So he's on his way back. Now, you know, obviously, life finds a way, right? And if Luis Heal keeps pitching well, maybe they'll maybe there will be a there will be a path for him. But I, I suspect I suspect it'll be a short stay in the majors for him. You know, with rookies this season, you know, it's how it always starts. Ooh, ah. Later there's running and screaming. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Yeah, no, you know, gotta gotta make another reference to the bloom. Some of you younger kids may not know. Jeff Goldblum, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. I, I would assure you Frank does not know. I could see that, yeah. 
I could see Frank <laughs> not knowing uh, a reference to Jurassic Park. But I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. All right, so that was our goodness gracious players of the day. Two players making their 2021 debuts. Joe Adele, obviously, more of a priority on waivers. But, you know, Luis Heal, if you play in a deeper league, especially AL only, you know, definitely worth a flyer. We'll see if uh, he can stick in the rotation. Let's move on to some of the injuries, news, and notes from Tuesday, starting with Eloy Jimenez was back in the lineup for the White Sox. That's a good sign. He DH'd uh, after missing four days with a groin injury. So hopefully he can stay healthy moving forward. Obviously has been an issue so far this season. Jacob deGrom says his current elbow issue is different from the forearm tightness he felt earlier in the season and that this is the first time his elbow has actually hurt. So I guess that's good news. Uh, it sounds like bad news to it me. It sounded like he was trying to spin it as good news, but uh, certainly not how yeah. I took it. He does expect to pitch again this season, um, but, you know, we'll see. Trey Turner, who's on the COVID-19 IL, will join the Dodgers on Friday, but may not be activated for a few more days. He still has to clear through protocols. Jordan Montgomery, as we mentioned earlier, was placed in the on the COVID-19 IL after he was uh, tested positive. Jazz Chisholm was placed on the COVID-19 IL as well. It's not clear if he uh, tested positive or not. And Matt Barnes was placed on the COVID-19 IL, but he has tested negative. So could have just been a close contact and uh, sounds like he could be back within, uh, you know, a day or two if everything goes right. So I I think that's it for the COVID-19 IL. That is becoming increasingly an issue across the league as cases rise. Um, Moving on, Kevin Biggio was placed on the IL with neck stiffness. So, you know, that's been he was on the IL earlier with a neck issue. So maybe that uh, can explain why he struggled so much this season. Uh, Mookie Betts started at second base for the second straight or second game that he started at second base for the Dodgers. I don't know if that was the second game in a row that he started, but only three more games until he's second base eligible. Only eight more yeah. until he has it for next season. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but. You know, it, it hurts his chances that Trey Turner's about to debut here for the Dodgers because <clears throat> I suspect yeah. Trey Turner would be making the majority of the starts at second base. But, you know, Betts has made some good plays over there and, and maybe opened Dave Roberts' eyes. I'd actually forgotten. It wasn't just the minors where Mookie Betts yeah, played he started second, at second base. With the Red yeah, Sox. yeah, he played his rookie year for the Red Sox. He played 14 games there. Most he mostly played outfield, but you know, yeah, got 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 some clear exposure to that position even as a major leaguer uh, prior to this year. All right, Reese Hoskins was back in the lineup after missing several days with a groin injury himself, so that's good news. Trevor Roger was placed on the family medical emergency list. Uh, no details on that or any sense of how long he's going to be out. I hope everything's okay. Uh, Tyler Glass now will have Tommy John surgery on Wednesday. Andrew Benintendi left Tuesday's game with a left shoulder strain suffered while stealing a base. Kyle Freeland, uh, pitcher for the Rockies, left after being hit by a comebacker on the foot. Tommy LaStella should be back on Wednesday. He's been out since May with hamstring injury and then a fractured thumb. Do you think he's going to play much for the Giants, though? I mean, he wasn't playing every day, Yeah. even before he got hurt. And certainly since then, other players have had a chance to emerge and entrench themselves. So I would suspect not. I I would guess it's a semi-regular role for La Stella, probably not much against lefties. 
All right, Brandon Nimmo was back in the lineup after missing a couple of games with a hamstring injury. Brad Keller with a back injury expects to make his next start. Jose Arquiti will throw off a mound Wednesday or Thursday as he works his way back from a shoulder injury. Gio Urshela was placed on the IL, backdated to August 1st. It does sound like the Yankees expect that to be a minimum stay on the IL, so he could be back within a week. John Axford, this one, this one sucks. He <laughs> made his first appearance in a major league game uh, on Monday night, first since 2018. 37-year-old John Axford, uh, who was throwing 98 miles an hour and pitching really well in the minors for Toronto. Left with elbows discomfort. He's going to have tests. He was placed on the IL. So that's that's just a bummer for him uh, as he was trying to make his comeback. Uh, and the Nationals recalled catcher Riley Adams, who was part of the deal to get Brad Hand to the Blue Jays. Any interest in, in Riley Adams? The, the Blue Jays just have a factory of interesting catchers, it seems, in their minors. Yeah, I know. I mean, the the best one is probably, I hope I get this name right, Gabriel Moreno. It feels like there's been a different best one three years in a row. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's missed some time recently with an injury, but first 32 games at double A, Gabriel Moreno had hit 373 with a 1092 OPS. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about him right now. We're talking about Riley Adams. And uh, he's appeared in 118 games, 117 games between triple A and double A, 18 home runs, low batting average. Um, so, you know, feels feels kind of like a Jan Gomes. Yeah, profile. pretty typical. Like, <laughs> hey, maybe he can be a low end starting catcher and in a best case scenario kind of guy. Right. All right. We got a handful of players who are uh, working their way back from injuries, some high upside players and well there's one guy who's not on there maybe i should have just left him out but alex bregman certainly a high upside player he returned to the triple a lineup uh, on tuesday he had missed a couple of games with a hamstring coming back from that quad injury was expected to play all nine innings tuesday i haven't seen if he did but uh, assuming he makes it through that you know alex bregman could be back within the next couple of days so hopefully everything's okay there Alberto Mondesi, this was kind of a surprise. You know, obviously, we talked about yesterday Dayton Moore's comments that you know Mondesi, they're not really viewing him as a full-time player, or at least someone that they can rely on as a full-time player moving forward. But I didn't realize he was so close to making his re- re- return, uh, but he made his rehab debut on Tuesday. Only played three innings at shortstop. Um, so I would guess this is going to be kind of a lengthy rehab, but... It's good to see Alberto Mondesi back, and hopefully he can finish the season strong and you know, maybe, I mean, honestly, maybe steal 20 bases in the last two months of the season. It's not out of the question. Um, Luis Severino, like you mentioned earlier, he's coming back from that groin injury that he was suffered while making his first rehab appearance. Um, he only threw 30, 43 pitches over two and a third inning, so obviously, as we've seen with Chris Sale, you're probably looking at a five or six start uh, range for Luis Severino before he comes back. Although maybe a little less just because he had gone through the process of building up his arm earlier before the groin injury. We'll see. Uh, Ian Anderson coming back from that shoulder soreness will begin a rehab assignment Thursday. And it sounds like he may only need one, maybe two rehab starts before he's back. So, you know, probably not next week for your fantasy team, but maybe the following week. 
And Pablo Lopez has begun throwing off a of flat ground. He's been throwing from about 90 feet, so still fairly early in the process as he returns back from his own shoulder woes. Uh, Scott, fantasy trade deadlines are coming up. Um, I think the default is this week. I know in the Scott White Dynasty League, it was Saturday of last week. I ended up standing pat. I just didn't get any offers that were worthwhile. I got a few interesting ones, but... I you weren't to. making the offers yourself, Chris? You weren't working the phones? <clears throat> no, no, not really. I just don't have much to offer. <laughs> like everybody wanted well, you're my... in the playoff hunt this year for the first time. Well, everybody... No, I made the playoffs in that league before. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Everybody wanted my star players. I was like, guys, I'm, I'm a star player. I'm not going to trade <laughs> my guys. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we're coming up on the trade deadline in most leagues, either this uh, week or next week. And what I wanted to do is over the last couple of months of the season scott give me i don't know if you have five players that you're looking to trade for but give me an amount up to five of trade <laughs> of players you'd like you're trying to trade for before your deadlines or probably potentially more accurately five players you would suggest our listeners try to trade for before the deadline yeah that's probably more accurate <laughs> um yeah so i i'm 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 mostly focused on high-end types here sure. because I feel like, you know, I could I could hype Brendan Rodgers again as a trade candidate. He's unrostered in half of leagues currently, so you know, you should. It kind of goes without saying leagues. if it's a deep league where he's rostered that you know he would also make for a good trade candidate. But we usually talk about players like that in the context of ads and drops. So thinking higher end than that, mm-hmm. um, I think the most obvious name is Trevor Story. Yeah. He didn't get traded. And that that was the hesitance we had in, in identifying him as a buy-low candidate. Oh, but what happens when the Rockies move him and he doesn't have course field anymore? Look at the road numbers. Look at Nolan Arenado, blah, blah, blah. Is he really going to have this resurgence if he's out of Colorado? Off the table now. And I should point out, because I've gotten this on Twitter a couple times, people like, oh, you know, Players pass through waivers in August and can be traded. That's not, not true anymore. Yeah. It's July deadline is a hard deadline now. There are no more trades that are going to happen. It was not July 31st this year, right? No, because they weird. didn't want it on a Saturday yeah, that was for whatever weird. reason. Yeah. I didn't realize that until like Sunday. I was like, well, wait a minute. As, as, as somebody who doesn't <laughs> normally work Saturday, I appreciate that. No, <laughs> appreciate you don't, you, you don't normally work Friday either uh that's true but no we don't need to get into all that (laughs) anyway (laughs) um yeah so same strikeout rate as always for trevor story exit velocity hard hit rate everything looks pretty normal the normal the normal indicators for trevor story look normal and i know we're two-thirds of the way through the season and there hasn't been a bounce back yet but i'm still still thinking it's gonna happen so trevor story is one uh, Pete Alonso. And, and I will point out um, his expected home runs this season, which is, you know, based on just like any expected stat on baseball savant, based on how hard a ball's hit, where it's hit, all that stuff, um, is 21.6. He only has 13. So that's just something to keep in mind. It might be, I would guess that there's a little inflation there because the ball travels further in Coors Field, but it's a large park. So they'll give you an expected home run that you might not otherwise have gotten something like that. I don't know. Cause he has been under his expected home runs each of the last three seasons, but still 
Uh, we're talking four in 2019 and two in 2020, nine so far this season. So, yeah. Pete Alonzo. Yes. You referred to this yesterday. Swinging strike, or not swinging strike. That's all I ever talk about, right? Strikeout percentage, strikeout rate is down below 20% for the year. His first two years, it was above 25%. It, it, he's always made more contact than you'd expect for a guy who yeah. is clearly a power first type hitter. But the, the contact rate this year is like legitimately good. Yeah, 77.7% uh, contact rate for his career at 74%. Yeah, yeah, and he's been hot lately, but I, I still think there's a chance he has, well, he could sustain this hot streak longer and improve his season-long numbers up to 24 home runs and 834 OPS now, batting 256. Uh, but I moved him up in my rest-of-season rankings at first base. I think I moved him up to five ahead of guys like Jose Abreu and, I mean, certainly Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger's way down there for me now. Um the obvious there's there's like an obvious top four i think it's guerrero freeman olsen and muncie and then Mm -hmm. alonzo i got i slotted him right behind them so yeah he's a good candidate to buy here aaron nola i think the most obvious underachiever among pitchers who could clearly make a huge impact to your team still has an era over four uh the home run rate is up the fly ball rate is up and for a pitcher who normally works down in the zone, that can that kind of clues you into the struggles he's been having. And he's talked about it too. It's just mm-hmm. having to keep the ball down. The last two starts of he's done a much better job of that. And I, I think he's gonna be good enough at self-diagnosis and um yeah, we've seen him overcome kind of rough stretches in the past. I think he's well on his way. And and the strikeout numbers have been amazing all year. So nothing to worry about there for Marinola. The timing may not be optimal since his last two starts were good, but you know, doesn't hurt to make an offer. Still has a four thirty ERA overall. Yeah, and what I would point out is like maybe you're skeptical because he did have a bad twenty nineteen or at least a three eight seven ERA in twenty nineteen was disappointing for sure. Um, that season his peripherals were actually slightly worse than his outcomes. His XERA was 426. His FIP was 403 compared to the 387 ERA. This season, his peripherals are actually a little better. Uh, you're talking about a 364 XERA, 346 FIP um, compared to a 430 uh, ERA. So that is certainly a reason to be optimistic about Aaron Nolan. You know, again, like you mentioned, we might already be seeing the turnaround. Frankie Montas. I love the direction Frankie Montas is going here. Again, I'm wondering if it's too late to act because his last four starts have been awesome. Uh But it's less that they've been awesome than how they've been awesome. 20 plus swinging strikes in three of those four starts. His split finger fastball, which was the key to his breakout two years ago. He, He... it's going, it's working for him better than ever because now he's made it his primary pitch. I mean, even 34 percent of the time with it, in the in the it, month of July, even when he broke through with it in 2019, it was like his third most used pitch. I mean, it, the volume wasn't 
he wasn't using it a ton, mm-hmm. but it was very effective when he did, and it kind of <clears> helped the rest <throat> of his arsenal play up. But now it's just like he's just pounding that splitter. Yeah, he, and- he doubled his usage in the month of July, and despite doubling his usage of the splitter, he allowed a .096 WOBA with the pitch, a .103x WOBA, 57% whiff rate with his splitter, despite mm-hmm. doubling his usage. That's a really promising sign, and... Mm-hmm. You're getting getting some Kevin Gosman vibes there. Still a 408 ERA for the season, and I mean, you know if, if if the person who has him now has had him all along, they probably had their moments of frustration with him. And a lot of times, what can happen in these scenarios is they think they're selling high, mm-hmm. and so like, yes, I'm dumping Montas on somebody, but actually, you're the one who wins. So I think Montas could be the ace. He was looking like. He was becoming in, in 2019. He may he may be living up to that after all. And one last name I'll throw in here, Anthony Rizzo. I just think Yankee Stadium is the perfect venue for him. Yeah. Uh, the stat cast expected home run by Park would seem to suggest that. They, they, they say he'd have nine more home runs if he played all his games at Yankee Stadium than he actually has. That's a significant number, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a guy who pulls the ball in the air a lot. And that's for a left-handed hitter going to Yankee Stadium. That's a very good thing. Um, doesn't strike out much still. Makes hard contact harder than ever, actually, this year. So I, I think there's more in the tank for Anthony Rizzo. And it's a good time to buy in on him. I agree. I agree with all of those, Scott. Good job. Thank you. All right. That's going to... That's going to do it for five players Scott would like to trade for. Uh, if you have any more, uh, if you have any trade questions heading into your deadline, I feel like uh, tomorrow and Friday we should probably try to answer a whole bunch of trade questions given that the deadline's coming up. So send them over at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Maybe put trade in the subject line so we can, you know, point, point it out, pick it out from the crowd and make sure we get to them. Uh, yeah, fantasybaseballcbsi.com would be the email address for that. We will be right back, and then after we come back, we're going to talk about the worryometer. We're going to fire it up, talk about some players we may or may not be worried about. So stick right here. We'll be right back. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. And we're right back. Worryometer Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I'm never sure quite how to calibrate this because some of the players I think are obviously worrisome. Some of the players might not even belong on this list because they're just not good enough anymore. 
And then some of them, it's just like, why are you even asking? Of course we're not worried. And the, of, of the latter, I think the first player up probably falls in there, but I'm interested to see what you think. Zach Wheeler, seven and a third innings today, which is great, but eight hits uh, versus a bad Washington Nationals lineup. Four and runs allowed, one walk, five strikeouts, only eight whiffs on 105 pitches. He's got a 436 ERA uh, with 31 strikeouts and 33 innings over his last five starts. You know, early on in the season, he was looking like he had put together the contact suppression skills from last season with, uh, you know, the strikeout rates from earlier on. The strikeout rate flagging a little bit. Zero to 10, where are you on Zach Wheeler on the worry o meter? I'll go as high as four. I mean, I don't think Zach Wheeler is going to become a negative asset for you, you know, a detriment to your team. I, that That's not a realistic scenario, but <clears throat> remember he had that stretch of five starts in May and June where four of them were double-digit strikeout efforts and we're like, oh my gosh, he's becoming yeah. an ace, the ace of aces. And he hasn't had a double-digit strikeout effort in now uh, nine starts since then. Mm-hmm. In fact, just just let me see. Is it even a strikeout per inning? So he had, had five, 58 strikeouts in 56 and two-thirds innings. So right out of strikeout per inning yeah. during that nine-start stretch for Zach Wheeler, which is, you know, looking a lot more like Zach Wheeler. the Zach Wheeler we've always known. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I'm worried we may have overstated his value at one point. But I'm not worried about, is he going to be good or bad? He's, he's going to be good. Even in yeah. this start, six shutout innings, and they just kind of, you know, if they had taken him out after the sixth inning, we wouldn't even be talking about this start right now. Yeah, one thing that you can see with Zach Wheeler is his whiff rates have gone down as the season has gone on. I mean, in May, his curveball had a 65% whiff rate, which is just ridiculous and was totally unsustainable. He settled in around 41% with that pitch over the last, uh, in June and July. But July, he had his lowest whiff rate for his slider, his lowest whiff rate with his changeup since April. He had his second lowest whiff rate with his four-seam fastball. So, you know, it's just kind of like it's nothing looks alarming. It just everything's kind of gotten a little bit worse, which, you know, sometimes the the great start to a season turns out to be, wow, this guy is a new player. Usually you won't go broke betting on some regression, and that's what we're seeing with Wheeler. I think we've seen a little bit of that with Kevin Gosman as well. Joe Musgrove might be the ultimate example having kind of an opposite Joe Musgrove season awesome in April and just worse every month since then um but yeah I I agree with that on Wheeler he's still likely to be must start moving forward I I think there's very little chance he's not a must start starting pitcher now on the other end of the spectrum a guy who may not belong on this list at all just because we should probably maybe be done with him Zach please Zach Five innings, 10 hits, six earned runs, zero walks, and also zero strikeouts. He has one quality start since coming off the IL. He has a 5.74 ERA with 14 strikeouts in 26 and two thirds innings. Worryometer on Zach, please, Zach. Does he even, can you even calibrate the worryometer for him, <laughs> or is, he, is this a drop a meter situation? 
Yeah, I think I'm past the point of worrying about him. So I guess that makes him a 10. You know, that that last stat you cited, 14 strikeouts and 26 and two-thirds innings since returning. It's about as bad as it gets. He is a great control pitcher. I think he's validated that from that year. You know, he, he's kind of like He's kind of like Josh Tomlin 2.0 for the, or is that the right guy, Josh Tomlin? You know what it makes me think of is Ricky Nolasco. You you always want to compare everybody to Ricky Nolasco. Nolasco is actually good at getting strikeouts, though. He had a couple. Josh Tomlin. He had a couple. Josh Tomlin, elite control pitcher who serves up a bunch of home runs and doesn't miss bats. Yeah. That's That's what Pleasak looks like right now. Yeah. Uh, I dropped him in a. 12 team league recently uh that is i'm doing horribly in in fact it it may be the worst i've ever done in a fantasy baseball (laughs) league this league and yet zach plesak wasn't even good enough for me there so yeah we're we're done with zach plesak i think at least until he you know (laughs) <laughs> unless he starts looking good again at some point, but it, it hasn't happened this year. It, it seems kind of unlikely. All right. Yeah. Move on to Tyler Malley, who, you know, has kind of been in a slide for a little while on Tuesday. He allowed four earned runs and in five innings versus the twins, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts. What about Tyler Malley on the worryometer? I don't know. Um, well, that makes me think it's a good question. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll say I'll go right down the middle of five, I guess, because I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm more worried about Zach Wheeler than than uh, than Tyler Malley. I just think this is kind of the way this is kind of what Tyler Malley's been doing all year, right? Mm-hmm. Like too many walks. That's the not thing. Enough that innings. The walks are where it's gotten really bad lately because it had been at least under control, but he's at coming into today he had 16 so he's got 18 walks in his last 32 and a third innings over six starts that's where he's really getting into trouble lately yeah he feels like just a guy to use when the matchups are right or when he's making a two-star week still still pretty good at missing bats you know still well more than a strikeout per inning so it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not like we're on the verge of dumping Mally I don't know maybe in like a 10-team league you might consider it, but most of us wouldn't. I just think he's, uh, you know, you, you got to keep your expectations in check with Tyler Malley. He hasn't been an emerging ace like w- we thought he potentially could be coming into the year. But then again, that was pretty obvious early on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this and I, I feel like Kenta Maeda probably doesn't belong here. He did give up five earned runs in five innings, seven hits. Nine strikeouts, which is very good, continuing the trend for him. And he had a 215 ERA coming into this start over his previous five in the month of July. Are you a zero on Kenta Maeda at this point or a one? <laughs> uh, Maybe a two? Two. I'll go two. Yeah. I mean, it's still a really low number. Definitely looked great in July. Looks like his splitter's fixed. I still don't know. I still don't know exactly what a fixed Kenta Maeda is. Like, is he? Sure. We had is 11, he 2020? Yeah, we had 11 great starts or 12 great starts, whatever it was last season. Yeah. Uh, but and he'd so never pitched I, that I don't, before. I don't want to expect 2020 Kenta Maeda, but I mean, he's he's back to being an asset in fantasy where for the first 
three months he wasn't. What about Taiwan Walker? Gave up four run runs in five and two-thirds innings against the Marlins. Obviously, Taiwan Walker got off to a really good start, made the all-star game. Uh, Worry on on Taiwan Walker. Four straight awful starts. The area has gone from 250 to 386 <laughs> during that time. And, you know, the underlying numbers were never favorable. Mm-hmm. The XFIP that some would say I cite too often, you know, for most of the year, it, it was about what his ERA now is. It's It's gone up as the ERA has gone up here. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it was. It, it turns out it, it was telling no lies about uh, about Taiwan Walker, and so I would say Taiwan Walker is a nice, solid eight on the worryometer. Yeah, he's got nineteen strikeouts to fifteen walks over his last twenty five and two thirds innings of work. So, not exactly what you want to see. And let's go with a hitter. Uh, I a couple weeks ago I was a zero on Whit Merrifield. I think we. Uh, when we did one of our Q&A panels uh, coming out of the All-Star break, I think one of the questions was like something like, who's going to break out in the second half? And my pick was Whit Merrifield, and that has not happened so far. He is hitting 221 since July 1st with a 19.6% strikeout rate. 19.6% strikeout rate would obviously be pretty good for most hitters, uh, but it would be the worst of Whit Merrifield's career. He did have a 12-game hitting streak coming into today. You probably didn't hear about it because it might have been the worst 12-game hitting streak in Major League history. He had a 634 OPS, exactly one hit, I believe in 11 of the 12. So, Whit Merrifield, 0 to 10, where you are where are you on the worry meter? Worry o meter. Oh, maybe like a 1. Maybe like a 1. He's 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 had uh, two excellent months and two terrible months. But yeah. even the terrible months he's ran a lot you know he's yeah. the stolen bases have been there he's had no fewer than five steals in any month and he's only been caught stealing once all season so you can continue to do that you're going to remain valuable in fantasy i thought it, it was kind of strange that you know r- r- he was rumored to be somebody who could be moved at the trade deadline yeah with the mariners specifically showing interest and uh, there, there was talk about how the Royals' asking price was very high for him, and you know it seemed like Mariners fans were enthusiastic about getting him. And I just wonder. I mean, obviously he's valuable in fantasy, but he's a low OBP guy who doesn't hit for much power. You know, his OPS this year is low seven hundreds. I'm just, I'm just not sure. I mean, this is kind of not a fantasy relevant point. Yeah. But I, I wonder, I feel like his fantasy value has exaggerated his real life value. Yeah, I mean, he was a 3.6 war player in 2019. He's been at 3.2 in 2020 plus 2021, which is 164 games. So, you know, solid starter, you know, low level all star player, probably, you know, on a team that had more deserving all stars. Maybe he doesn't make it. Um, but, you know. I don't know. He's a good player. He's not a great player. It is interesting. Uh, He was actually caught stealing on his very first attempt of the season. (laughs) So he has 20. He had a steal and a caught stealing in that game. He he was caught in in his first attempt. 
He has 27 straight steals without being caught. That's pretty impressive. Gun with Merrifield. And remember 2019, I think, we thought he might stop running. And he's 20 out of 30 that year. Yeah. Led the majors two straight seasons now, I believe. Or no, he didn't lead the majors last season. His teammate did, but he was up there. Um, all right, so that's it for the worryometer. Let's, uh, I just want to take, take your temperature on a handful of uh, pitchers who I, feeling good? Yeah, I'm Clammy? Okay. No, nobody's putting me on the I.L. All right, good, good. Uh, so where are we at on Yusei Kikuchi? ERA's 389, had a, a rough July, but the underlying numbers have been, I mean, really, as they have been for most of his career when things have gone bad, his underlying numbers were still pretty good. Uh, he went six innings, gave up one earned run, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts against the Rays on Tuesday. How do you view Yusei Kikuchi at this point? I was hoping you could tell me how to view <laughs> Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just that the production has been down, the velocity's been down. Mm-hmm. Since the start of June. He's tweaked his pitch arsenal in some ways that I, I don't necessarily think have been uh, super productive for him. He threw his cutter a lot less in the month of July, his changeup a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. The, the, the problem there is the cutter has gotten hit hard recently, and so maybe that's a decent trade-off, but, you know, the overall numbers didn't really justify it, at least in the month of July. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I feel like he could be one of those pitchers who just kind of has too much of an arsenal for his own good, which we talked about with you Darvish recently. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Joe Musgrove, that might be kind of his problem as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it can make him pretty inconsistent at times. The star was good, yeah. and you know, overall, he's having a good season. So, I think I'm still in a good place with Yusei Kikuchi, but obviously, my trust in him is diminished a bit. You might say he's now on the outer edges of the circle of trust instead yeah. of being firmly in it. He's kind of been between 45 and 55 at SP for me pretty much all season. Um, yeah, he does have a 23.4 percent home run to fly ball rate, which is. You know, I think obviously unsustainable. However, his XERA is actually slightly worse than his ERA. It was 4.28 coming into today's start. He had a 4.01 ERA. So that suggests that, you know, maybe it's not all bad luck. You know, he does get hit pretty hard. A 10% barrel rate allowed, 91 mile per hour average exit velocity. He could be one of those guys that just, for whatever reason, underperforms, you know, his kind of surface level numbers. Um, so. I think we're kind of at the same place we've been at with Yusei Kikuchi all along, or at least for me. You know, I was high on him coming into the season. He's been right around 45 to 55 for pretty much the entire season for me. Where are we at on Dylan Cease, who had an extremely, extremely good start today? 23 whiffs, I think, on 100-plus pitches, 11 strikeouts, 6 innings, 1 hit allowed, 2 walks. That's coming off of a 5.33 ERA in July, and it was just his fourth quality start in 12 tries since June. Is Dylan Cease the most frustrating pitcher in baseball right now? I can see that. I can see that. I don't really, I can't relate to the experience of having Dylan Cease much because for as, as much as I've liked him and have talked him up this year, I don't think I actually have him anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
but I could see how that would be frustrating. Uh, fortunately, his previous start was good. It was quality start at the Royals. So mm-hmm. hopefully that convinced you to have him active for this game. And I think it was in line for two starts as well. So there's a good chance he was a start. He was started in a lot of places where he's rostered. So thankful for that. There was yeah, I some was, concern about like his. I think his spin rates dropped precipitously. They did. In yeah, June, they did. And they were know, fine today. And you can look at that and say, well, maybe he, you know, maybe he, maybe that's why he struggled. But like. He's actually been pretty much just as consistent as he was before that. I mean, he's been above a strikeout per inning in all but three of his starts since the start of June. Dylan sees has. Mm-hmm. So it's um, just at, really hard to figure out. At the same time, I, I looked at this stat line and I said, you know, especially taking into account all the swinging strikes. Wow. Did Dylan Cease just have his best start of the year? And I looked through the game log here, and I was like, well, no, you could say that one's better, yeah. and that one might be better, that one might be better. You know, he's had he's had several awesome starts like this. Yeah. Uh, I would say where I'm at with Dylan Cease is, you know, not super trustworthy, but, you know, the strikeouts are going to be there. And just, like, from a development standpoint, this year has been very encouraging. Huge step forward. Yes. Especially compared to where we were on him last year where he struck out less than seven per nine. And I didn't, I didn't know if he was ever going to put it together at that point. Definitely, definitely on the right track now. And Dylan Cease is going to be the reason why I, I'll always be interested in Mitch Keller. Yeah, That's I could see I, that. Yeah. Where are we at on Max Freed? Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, one walk, four hits allowed against the Cardinals today. Had a 466 ERA in July. With 32 strikeouts, 10 walks, and 29 innings pitched, is Max Freed the most frustrating pitcher in baseball? No, I wouldn't say so. No? I'm in a good place with Max Freed. Three of his last four starts have been great. Um, I, I just think- mean holistically. You look at the 402 ERA in 2019, 225 in 2020, 432 entering the start. Obviously, it went down a little bit. Uh, yeah, I... If if you looked at Max Fried's numbers from last year, two twenty five ERA, seven and zero record, mm-hmm. fifth in Cy Young voting, and you thought, and you thought that's who Max Fried was, then I could understand you being frustrated yeah. with him. But if you were listening to this show, that that wasn't who you thought Max Fried was because we were telling you he overachieved last year. Um, since April, because remember, he got off to a horrible start. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he went on the IL for like a month. So since he got back from the IL, which goes back to May 5th, he has a 335 ERA. So That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, 335 ERA, right at a strikeout per inning, the whip. And I can't figure out exactly what the whip is, but it's not bad. Yeah, he's been good. All right. Uh, and one more. Where are we at on Hyunjin Ryu? He uh, has only gone more. Th- he has only gone at least six innings in three of his last six starts since July first. He went seven today, two earned runs, eight strikeouts, but with a two sixty seven ERA, thirty strikeouts, and thirty three and a and a third innings. Uh, are we pretty much where we expected to be on Hyunjin Ryu now? I wouldn't say so. He's he's less 
he's been less of a strikeout pitcher, and I'm not sure he's going to get that back. We got to remember he's 34 years old. Yes. So three of his last four starts have been great. You know, not a, not as much of a strikeout rate as we're used to seeing, but a good outcome. He's a good control pitcher. He's a good ground ball pitcher. He doesn't necessarily need the strikeouts. And uh, ZRA is back down to 322 now. So I was shocked when I saw that. Yeah. Um, yep. Not having a bad season. Not. It, it's just. It's just a testament to how good he's been the yes. last couple seasons that we could feel like that we could feel let down by him because the numbers. You know, still still a very valuable pitcher. All right, moving on. Is there anything here with Chris Bubich? Six innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts versus the Chicago White Sox. Anything worth looking at here? There may be four quality starts in a row, and I... I, I wanted to I wanted to check and see how consistent it's been, you know, since with those four good starts, mm. if if his changeup has consistently played up, because I know he got five whiffs on twenty two changeups in this start. It's obviously a a solid whiff rate. Um let's see here how that changeup has been doing in general. Cause the changeup was like the pitch. That was a killer pitch for him in the minors. Yeah. You look at Bubich's minor league numbers. He was, he was carving up those guys with that changeup. Changeup, which you know, changeup whiff rate over the last three starts. It was forty percent or better in two of the last three. Only twenty four percent before today's start and the last start before today. But uh, pretty much the best stretch of the season for him as far as his changeup whiff rate goes. Yeah, I just wonder if he's like regained the feel for that pitch or something mm-hmm. because that that was his, that was kind of his everything, and you know, it was beating up on on hitters in the lower levels in the minors. So maybe they just never seen a changeup before. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he did. He was he was dominant down there, and that pitch was often cited as the reason for it. So if he's getting better results with that pitch now. You know, I don't think there's a huge ceiling here for Chris Bubich, but it's possible he could be back to being a streamer type in fantasy. 15 teams worth rostering? Yeah, I mean, he's right on the verge of that now. Um, I'd, be relu- I'd be reluctant to start him yet, I guess, if, if I was looking to preserve ratios. But there may be something here. Uh, anything here with Nick Nider? Three on runs against the Mets, five strikeouts. He has a... I believe around a four ERA for the season now. He's only made a handful of uh, appearances. Anything here outside of NL only leagues? I would say not at this point, no. Okay. Uh, what about Alex Jackson? Let's just keep the Marlins train rolling, baby. The most interesting team in baseball. Uh, Alex Jackson hit his first career home run for Miami and the slightly more interesting thing is that the Marlins started Jorge Alfaro in left field. Um, you got to get that Alex Jackson bat in the lineup. Is he someone who has any value in a, uh, <laughs> let's say a 12 team two catcher league? I would say not. I would be very surprised if he hit well enough to, to have that kind of, Oh, you know what? His numbers at AAA this year are much better than they I have mean, been. His numbers overall at AAA are kind of bonkers. Yeah. He has no, 42 really home runs. 42 home runs in 150 games at AAA. Um, not nearly as good in AA, but had you know hit earlier in his career. 
That's why I ask. He was some somewhat of a prospect. Yeah, no, he was. I had pretty much written him off. I hadn't realized how productive he had been at AAA this year. Uh, he was. It was a straight up trade him for Adam Duvall, right? Yeah, I believe so. So I was kind of surprised. That's all the Marlins wanted, given my uh, interpretation of who Alex Jackson was. Now, okay, let's keep an eye on him. Let's keep an eye on him. Um, he had. He he has moved in. He has moved into and out of the prospect radar as many times as I can, <laughs> as as a player ever has. And, former former number six overall pick for the Mariners, and then fell off the map. And the Braves bought low on him and moved him back to catcher. And then he was back on the prospect radar. And then he was stunk and he was back off. And yes, yeah, we'll see. And watch out, only four more appearances for Jorge Alfaro to get outfield eligibility. So it <laughs> could be a we, game changer. We wait with bated breath. Uh, <laughs> here's a guy who could pick up outfield eligibility. Hoy Park uh, started and hit leadoff for the Pirates versus Adrian Hauser. He went one for three with three RBI and a walk. Uh, Yankees fans kind of turned Hoy Park into a folk hero this season for how good he was hitting at AAA. Um, 327 with a 1,042 OPS, 46 walks, 46 strikeouts in 48 games, 10 homers, 8 steals. There is the potential for a pretty appealing fantasy uh, profile here for the 25-year-old Hoy Park. Is there anything here? Maybe. Um... I think anytime a player puts up numbers like he has in the minor leagues, you got to pay attention to it. Never really hyped as a prospect before. And it didn't seem like the Yankees held him in high regard, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I'd bet against him becoming a viable fantasy asset, but you know, it's, it's at least worth keeping an eye on him. All right, let's talk about some bullpen notes. Dylan Floro gave up his first run since June 14th, but still got the save for the Marlins. Uh, Does appear as if he is the closer for the Miami Marlins. Jose Alvarado got the save for the Phillies. That was probably because Ian Kennedy threw 49 pitches the previous two days. But with Ian Kennedy giving up two two two-run home runs or two home runs, two run home runs in consecutive games uh, since joining the Phillies. It's at least worth noting that Jose Alvarado was the one who got the save with Kennedy unavailable with, uh, you know, Ranger Suarez moving to the rotation as well. Uh, Yeah. I, I'm putting together a bullpen report where I kind of give the pecking order of some bullpens that are currently in flux. mm -hmm. And I had left Jose Alvarado completely out of the pecking order for the Phillies. I had, Several guys ahead of him. So now I'll move him up in that pecking order. He looks like the backup option for saves. I don't know. It might be a matchup saying with him and Naris, but yeah. of course Ian Kennedy looks like he has the job. Yeah, I think Ian, it's Ian Kennedy's job unless he loses it. Right. Um, Diego Castillo got the save for the Mariners with Paul Sewald working the eighth inning. So it does seem like that's going to be the case moving forward, even if Castillo has been, you know, a little shaky, had blown his previous save attempt. Alex Colomay got the save for the Twins. No surprise there. Heath Hembry gave up three runs, blew his save opportunity today. Um, They are pretty much back at full strength now, right? Lucas Sims is back. Michael Lorenzen is back. 
Uh, Lorenzen. Is Sims back? Is he back quite yet? I don't think he's back quite yet. I just think he was gearing up to return. Okay, he was. But. Yeah, he he is not quite back yet. Um, could be. He made three appearances at AAA uh, Louisville during his rehab assignment. Um, okay, yeah. So no no timetable specifically, but uh, you know it seems like Lucas Sims could be back soon. So something it to keep an eye on with Hembry imploding. Yeah. I would say Hembry doesn't have that job on lockdown. I mean, I, I wonder if Michael Givens is going to become uh, sure. a factor closer at this experience. point. Yeah, closer experience, and he'd put together, like, he's the one guy in that bullpen with a good ERA, right? And he was doing it at Colorado. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm surprised the Reds didn't do more to upgrade their bullpen. I mean, I guess their playoff chances are only so good, but... Um, yeah, it's been a mess all season, and I don't think there's there's no clarity in sight. Sure. Um, all right, let's talk about some. Well, I guess we got a we got a list of oh, pitchers. Oh, go ahead. I, I did want to mention one bullpen note from the late games here. Tyler Clippard got his second save. Oh, there you go. There's nobody else in that bullpen, and, and Tyler Clippard is legitimately a good reliever if he is um, of sound body. He missed the first almost. Four months with injury, only recently returned, but it's already Tyler has two Clippard. saves, has yet to allow an earned run. Tyler Clippard for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, we've got a list of pitchers here. I, I don't know how, how much there is to take away from anything uh, from this list, but Patrick Corbin went in seven innings, gave up four earned runs, eight strikeouts, one walk. It's fascinating how his velocity is like kind of back at its peak. He averaged 93.7 miles per hour with his fastball. Um, and yet he had yeah. 14 strikeouts in 26 and a third innings in the month of July. So we were so interested in Patrick Corbin's velocity back in the spring. And it turns out it doesn't matter. He's just not good anymore, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, this is the highest has been all year, right? It was the, the second start. highest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he did get 14 swinging strikes, eight strikeouts. So maybe there does become a point where it's high enough to help him. Yeah. And again, he also served up three home runs. So. Yep. I'm not I'm not eager to jump back aboard the Patrick Corbin bandwagon. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh Adrian Hauser had a good start, six and a third, no hits allowed, one earned run. Always interesting how that happens, but you got five walks. That'll that can happen. Four strikeouts. Hauser's actually got a decent ERA. Um he gets a lot of ground balls, but he's pretty much just a streamer, right? Yeah. Too many walks, high whip. Not enough innings generally. All right. That's it for Hauser. Uh, let's talk about some I, hitters. I was disappointed in Luis Patino's follow-up performance. Yeah. Uh, I would point that out, especially Three. since it came against the Mariners. And, yeah. and you know how it is against the Mariners. He could have thrown a no-hitter. Three earned runs in five innings, five hits, two walks, only three strikeouts in that one. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I put in some pretty big bids for Patino in the leagues where he was available this weekend. I didn't win him in all of them. I got outbid in some. Uh, so I'm not eager to turn around to drop him right away. He's still got 12 whiffs on 100 pitches, 12 swingy strikes. So, you know, uh, kind of like with Tuki Toussaint, I give him a little bit of a leash. There's, there does seem to be potential here. Sure. All right, we'll move on to some hitters before we close out with a look at Wednesday's streamers. Abraham Toro hit another home run. Uh, that is three and four games, I believe, for him. George Springer, two for four with a home run. His third and sixth games, he's got 11 hits in that span. George Springer, 
you had to be patient with the injuries uh, to start the season, but man, he has been, I mean, really as good as ever when he's been healthy mm-hmm. this season. He's been incredible. Um, Mitch Garver also as good as ever. Had another home run today. Jonathan India, we talked a lot about la- yesterday, two for five with a home run today. And Jorge Soler was hitting second for the Braves, hit a home run. Um, it does appear as if he's hitting relatively high in that lineup, which is kind of surprising. Um, it is kind of surprising. <laughs> not exactly the guy who, not the type of profile you necessarily want at the beginning of the uh, top of the lineup, but if he's going to hit up there and he's going to stay hot like he was before the trade, you know, he, there's, there's certainly some appeal there for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about some Wednesday streamers. Not necessarily the best crop, but let me know who you like best out of this group. Josh Fleming versus the Mariners. Matt Harvey versus the Yankees. Paolo, Esp- es- Paolo Espino versus the Phillies. Steven Matz versus Cleveland. And Jake Odorizzi versus the Dodgers. Who do you like best out of that? And if there's anyone I left off who you want, you like more, by all I sure means. hope there's somebody you left off because I don't want to sign my name to any of these names. Golly. I mean, Jake Odorizzi is probably the pitcher I trust the most, but he's going against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Paolo Espino, who throws strikes and gives up a lot of fly balls that so far haven't turned into home runs. So, you know, fly balls that don't leave the park are generally outs, and that's why he's a good ERA and a good whip. But I will say, uh, I think Josh Fleming's okay. Against the Mariners, he's not a strikeout pitcher at all, under 6K per nine, but good control, very good ground ball rate. He's got a 415 ERA, which isn't great, but I could see a pretty decent start against the Mariners coming from Josh Fleming. It could happen. I uh, I would not be better. It's not impossible, folks. What about Stephen Brault against the Brewers making his debut? His 2020 numbers were pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers aren't a, aren't a, aren't a good matchup anymore. Uh, I definitely would not want to uh, to rely right. on him in that one. Oh, what about Tyone against the Orioles? I wasn't sure if he qualified as a streamer. That that could yeah. be good. I'm very skeptical of Tyone uh, and his recent turnaround, but if he is available in your league, he could be worth using. I, I would actually say Edward, Eduardo Rodriguez is 80 percent rostered, so you know not a lot of leagues where he's out there. But he's going against Detroit. He has quite good underlying numbers and quite bad numbers. So also the roster percentage is pretty high here for Zach Thompson, but going him going against the Mets, I could I'd be okay with that. I'd say Tyone and Thompson are my favorite. They're both you know, it's there's a good chance they're not available in your league, but if they are and you're looking for a streamer, those I can at least kind of get behind. All right. That's going to do it for Wednesday's episode of fantasy baseball today. We'll be back on Thursday. Um, man, I'm doing it again. I thought I had somewhere to go with the, the outro and now I'm just rambling. So I'm just going to close it out here. Thanks for listening. Fantasy baseball today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.